Um, well, guys, we are in part three of remission. Did, did you guys enjoy our missionary last week, uh, Dan Lumadu? He, he, was, uh, he was incredible, and uh, I want you to know that as a church, we blessed him financially. Um, uh, thank you so much for those of you that gave in the offering for him. Uh, we had blessed him before he came so that we could get it in for the year end, and then we blessed him when he came uh, with some more blessing uh, from you guys. So we have picked up and sponsored him uh, as one of our missionaries for our district. Uh, so if you ever feel led to give to Dan Lumadu and he crosses your mind and you not you want to, everybody should be praying for him. Uh, but if you feel led to give financially, you can always include that in the offering. I'm working on a project, guys. We, we threw up kind of a quick uh, mission board out in the hallway out there, and that was just a quick one that, that needed to get done because I'm working on a project in the back wall of the sanctuary on the, on the back right side uh, where we will have uh, a really nice display, like an acrylic glass display with, uh, with all of the missionaries uh, that we support and all the missions that we support there. So that every week when you have a few extra moments and you come to church, you can stop by that back wall and just pray, lay your hands on the glass and just pray over one of our missionaries for a couple of moments or, or see if the Lord speaks to you about just blessing uh, somebody and, and that will be there for you on a regular basis. So I'm hoping to get that done sometime in the coming next two to three weeks. So uh, look for that to come. And then I, uh, I had the opportunity to talk to our missionary to Greece, Matt Barker. I spoke uh, really early in the morning. He messaged me about like 6.30 in the morning yesterday. And I was, so I'm, I'm like, man, he's early. So I looked up and it was like 3 in the afternoon in Greece, you know, so he was, he was okay. And, and uh, I started spending some time just chatting with him on, on, a, on a private message on Facebook. And I was talking to him back and forth. And would you be in prayer for them because they are still in lockdown uh, he's ministering as best he can online to the people that he's ministering to there in his area. Uh, but just remember Matt and Marissa Barker in your prayers and continually uh, pray for them because they, they had a brand new baby uh, right after they went into the mission field in Greece. She was pregnant when they left here. You know, and I don't know if, if any of you were here on a Wednesday night when Matt spoke, uh, uh, but it was it was great. And uh, they're going to, they're into in a real mission field there that is uh, that is needed. Um, so would you guys just pray for Matt and Marissa Barker as you think of it? If you could write that down, I would greatly appreciate it. Appreciate it. Pray for uh, encouragement. Pray that the Lord would encourage him in a situation where he's kind of kind of stuck in a lockdown in Greece. Amen. Amen. Would you turn with me to the book of Joel today? I'm going to roll through this uh, fairly quickly and, and get you out as close to on time as I can. Uh, this is not a long message because I anticipated other stuff that was going to be going on this week or, or today. And, um, but in the book of Joel, I have a, a message that I feel like the Lord gave me to go along with our remission part three. And uh, remission part three is our January series. And what is that about? Uh, that's taking another look, as in remission, taking another look at our mission statement as a church. What is our mission statement? Our mission statement is to reach, restore, redeem. And you probably see that everywhere you look. If you go on our, on our website, if you go on our social media, you'll usually see me whenever I post anything on our church page, a hashtag, reach, restore, redeem. Uh, that's because... Uh, I want everybody to know beyond a shadow of a doubt what our mission is as a church. Uh, what has God called us to do? And God has called us to reach the lost, which I preached about the week before Dan came. And, and then we took a little hiatus, but it went right with reaching the lost with our missionary Dan last week. And then we're picking up two, which is to restore the hurting. Uh, this week. And how many of you know that is the mission of the church, not just Redemption Point, but that's the mission of the church is to reach the lost and to restore the hurting. And the third part is to see people redeemed for the ultimate purpose that God has placed on their life. Uh, I, you, can, you can call me uh, whatever you like, but I, I feel like each and every person sitting in this room today, if you have a relationship with Jesus, then you have a calling on your life. Not everybody is called to preach, and not everybody is called to teach, and not everybody is called to be an elder, and not everybody is called to teach Sunday school, and maybe not everybody is called to, to nursery, but, but a lot of every one of you in this room are called to some sort of ministry, right? God has redeemed you for a purpose in his life. 
your primary calling is to see other people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and who he is in their life. That's your primary purchase. Or, or your primary purpose is to see other people get saved, right? That you tell people what God did for you. It's, it's a personal thing. It's, it's Lord, I, I thank you so much for what you did for me, that you saved me, that I want to make sure that I give anybody I run into the opportunity to do the same. So before we started this series, I actually bought uh, some tracks, and they are in the front lobby on the right table. If you don't come in through the front lobby on a regular basis, you may not have seen them, but let me encourage you uh, to go out that way today and just at least pop into the lobby and check them out. I ordered three mini tracks. They're only about the size of a business card, and, and each one, listen, I, most of us, when we hear the word tracks, we think about the, the 1980s with a full cartoon graphics, you know, with people burning in hell and the whole nine yards, and they were scare tactics most of the time, right? Uh, although they, that is true, uh, these tracks are, are a little more up to date with what you might see in other forms of media today. So I'd like you to check it out, grab the scripture. They're, they're all about salvation. There's three of them back there. Uh, one of them in particular is a, you know how they have bubble messages on your smartphone and you see whoever texted you and what you replied and, and vice versa back and forth. Well, one of them is a text message conversation between a person and God, right? They're asking God some questions. He's responding. It's going back and forth. And then there's uh, scripture references on all three cards to lead people to salvation. So if you would grab one of those, uh, it's an easy way for you to get started uh, going out and, and evangelizing in your community or wherever you are. It's an easy way that when you go out to dinner that you can hand one of those cards to the waitress and say, hey, Jesus loves you, so do I, and I just want to make sure you know about it, and here you go, and, and hand them a card. It's an easy way. So if you're totally uncomfortable uh, and you feel like uh, you're uncomfortable diving in to evangelism, that's an easy way to get started. Amen. So, so if you would take a look at that, that would be great. And there's, there's a bunch on the table out there. I have a bunch left, and then uh, I will order more if we run out. So take as many as you think you'll use. Now, listen, don't take them and just leave them in the bottom of your purse, right? Don't take them and stick them in your wallet and then three years from now go, oh, i got to clean out my, my wallet. Oh, there's all those tracks Pastor Steve was talking about because they're business card size. You know, they'll fit in, in a wallet, you know. Uh, but take them and actually give them out. Take them and use them as a tool uh, to reach the lost in our community. So uh, how many of you are in the book of Joel? So today we're talking about restoring the hurting, restoring the hurting, which is the second part of our mission. And as a church body, uh, church body, I've already talked about this, but part of our calling as a ministry is a ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation is what the, the Bible says that we are all called to, right? It's to see people dealing with hurt and pain, first and foremost, restored to the Father, first and foremost, restored to God, but then to see restoration on their life. Because how many of you know when you're restored to the Father, uh, restoration comes into the rest of your life, right? It starts with restoration to the Father. So if, you're, if your life needs to be restored and you're looking at your life going, man, something isn't right, something is wrong, uh, and you recognize that you don't have relationship with your Heavenly Father, you don't have relationship with God, then it starts with that relationship with God, and then he begins to do what I was talking about earlier, which are those heart surgeries, to begin to restore things in you that bring restoration and reconciliation into your life. Amen? And it's something that we need to do. Now, unfortunately, if you've been watching the news, uh, oh, I'd say in the last five years or so, uh, we're in a culture right now that has been nicknamed the cancel culture. Has anybody heard those words? Right? The cancel culture. Society cancels anybody they don't agree with. Right? Shut them down. Kill, off, kill their livelihood. If we don't agree with them, we're going to shut down their business. Right? We're going to shut down every, we're going to make sure they can't even make a dollar. Right? It's, it's a cancel culture that we live in today. Kill their livelihood. Cut off, cut off their opinions. If someone made a mistake, uh, I don't know if you notice in society today, but when somebody makes a mistake, if it came out that they made a mistake 50 years ago, they're canceled. Right? They're canceled today. There's, it's, it's, a, it's a culture of, uh, of justice, hard justice. And it's a culture of hatred, and it's a culture of bitterness. Uh, but that shouldn't be the culture of the church. Amen? The culture of the church needs to be a culture of grace, a culture of forgiveness, and a culture of healing. And that is how we represent differently than the world does. 
right? The, the church should not be a mirror image of what's going on in society. The church shouldn't be a mirror image of what's going on in the world, right? So we've got to make sure that in the church, when we run across people who have, who have done wrong or we run across people who have been hurt, uh, heaven, heaven forbid we run across somebody who has taken part in an abortion or we run across somebody who is pregnant outside of, of being married or, and they have an unplanned pregnancy, we run across people like that who are struggling and dealing with things in this life. Our first inclination as the church is to never be you are canceled, Right? It should never be you're canceled. The first inclination of the church should be grace and love and let me bring you in and let me help you find out what the truth is. Right? Let me share truth with you in grace. Right? It's not I'm going to cancel you and your life and your opinions and your thoughts and, and, uh, and I'm just, we're going to boot you out of the church. That should never be the culture of the church. The culture of the church should be, come in, sit down, let me hug you, let me pray over you. Man, I know you're going through some stuff. Let me, let me work through some stuff with you. Let me share some scripture with you about what God says about your situation. Let me share with some scripture with you about what God says about who you are. Let me share some scripture with you about how important you are to God. And you are so important to him that he wants so much more for your life than the way you're living it now. And let me share with you what kind of life he actually has for you which is a life filled with grace and forgiveness and peace and not hard justice and hatred and bitterness, right? Let me show you something different. We as the, as the, as the church should not look like the world, but we should be an alternative to the world, amen? That when somebody uh, is hurt in the world, the first place they should think of to be able to go for help is to the church, Amen? Isn't that awesome? There's a meme, and I hope I can uh, repeat this right. There's a meme that's been going around for quite a while now, and it was two different conversations. And the first conversation started like this. It said, uh, man, I really messed up. And the next line out of his mouth is, my dad is going to kill me. And then the second part of that meme is, man, I really messed up. I need to call my dad. Right, And the first part of that meme represents religion, or represents what we uh, deal with in society. The second part of that meme represents relationship with our Heavenly Father. It represents us having a saving knowledge of who Jesus is in our life and having a relationship with him. That when we mess up, it doesn't, wanna, it doesn't push us far from God, but it brings us to our knees before God. Amen. And then God, our Heavenly Father, is not a God that will beat you over the head, but He's a God who will pick you up and clean you off. Amen. I don't, I don't know. I, I preached my very first message I ever preached in my life, and I got up and I was so embarrassed of it because I, I wrote this message and it just seemed so juvenile, right? I was like, man, I, I feel like maybe this message, as I started to preach it on a Sunday night, I said, I think maybe this message is more probably for kids' church than, than regular church. Like, it's so simple. Uh, but I preached a message called water hoses right and in that water hose one of the the messages that I talked about is that is that God will God is like a pressure washer man he will bring you up out of the muck and the mire and the dirt and everything that you've been on and he'll set you firmly upon the rock and then pressure wash you and it ain't the kind of pressure washer that stings when it hits you right it, it ain't it, well sometimes it does <laughs> sometimes it hurts a little bit when he's when he's taking some things from you that you want to hang on to right but he will pressure wash you and make you clean and that's what he'll do in our lives amen so so as a church we should be that second portion if we have the heart of the father when people are in trouble we should be the place they want to run to first when people are dealing with struggle and pain we should be the first place they think of is man I've got to get to church right but so many times in, in church culture over the many years uh, it has been the opposite it's, man, I've, I've, I'm in trouble, I've done wrong, I've messed up. And then the enemy comes in and the enemy heaps uh, condemnation, right, on top of the pain and on top of the turmoil. The enemy uh, heaps condemnation on top. And what does condemnation do? Condemnation pushes you away from God instead of pulling you closer to God. So there's a difference between conviction of the Holy Spirit and condemnation from the enemy. Right? Condemnation of the enemy when you've done wrong pushes you from God. Conviction of the Holy Spirit when you've done wrong pulls you towards God. So you've got to recognize the difference between the two in your life. Amen? 
Amen. So how many of you know that for somebody that is residing in a place of hurt, it's a lonely place, even if they're surrounded by people? People who are hurting and dealing with pain and dealing with a struggle, dealing with circumstances, dealing with something in their life. If they're carrying it by themselves, which Jessica just talked about earlier, that she walked someone through uh, an abortion recovery Bible study who had carried that she had had an abortion for 40 years, was now an elder woman, right? And in 40 years, she had carried that all by herself. How many of you know that was a lonely place for her? But it's not just moments of sin, although sin definitely is, is, is the culprit a lot of times in what we carry in our lives that we try to carry ourselves because you're too embarrassed to take it to your brother and say, hey, I need help in this area of my life. So it's, it's not just sin, but it could also be circumstances in your life that you're trying to carry by yourself. It's things that have happened to you or things in the past that maybe you had no control of or hard situations that you walked through. And when you walk through something, rather than go to run to somebody who could help you carry the load, you, you decided to carry it by yourself. And you're in a place of hurt, and it's a lonely place because you're trying to carry it all alone. You haven't had somebody else come alongside you and, and offer to carry parts of it. So those who are hurting feel like they've been stripped of everything that is required for them to have joy. Sometimes when you're hurting in your life, you think you don't have any of what it takes uh, to, to, to build any kind of joy up in yourself. You don't feel like you have anything that it takes to do that. You feel like you've been stripped of everything. So we're going to read today in the book of Joel, a prophet to southern Judah that Israel had been in a season of loss, hurt, grief, pain, and sorrow. They had been in a, in a really rough season, and the prophet Joel begins to speak. In, in, in verse 1 of chapter 1, it reads like this. The word of the Lord came to Joel, the son of Pethiel. Hear this, you elders, and give ear, all you inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this happened in your days, or even in the days of your fathers? Tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children, and their children another generation. What the chewing locust left... The swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the crawling locust has eaten. And what the crawling locust left, the consuming locust has eaten. Now we've seen on a large scale in our country what has happened in our land over the, over the past year. Right? We've seen disunity and racial conflict and economic crisis and pandemic and rioting, cities burning and anarchists attacking and taking over city and police headquarters and precincts, uh, misinformation, distrust, conspiracy theories, an attack on the Capitol, and even people calling for civil war. And in Joel 1-2, as I read this verse, it says, Has anything like this happened in your days or in the days of your fathers? We've seen locust attack after locust attack in our land over the last year. It has been one thing after another. We had a month of this and then a month of that and then a month of this and then a month of that. And then everything has piled on to where uh, most people in the country have even lost a sense of hope in who we are. They've lost a sense of it, right? Well, it feels like the season of locusts has been destroying our land, and, and spiritually and physically it has been. But how many of you know, even in the, in the midst of everything going on in our land, and in the midst of everything going on there, how many of you know that sometimes you can have in your personal life a swarm of locusts after swarm of locusts coming through your life? You could have so much going on this year in your personal life that you haven't even had time to pay attention with what's going on in America. Because the locust doesn't just attack in big lots and attack lands, but sometimes spiritually the locust will attack you and attack your family. And you'll be dealing with situation after situation after situation after situation after situation in your own life, and you don't know what to do about it because everywhere you turn, you get hit. And if you turn to the left, somebody punches you square in the mouth. And if you turn to the right, somebody gets you in the nose. And if you turn around and try to run away, somebody trips you and hits you over the head. Right? You feel like every direction that you turn, you're coming under attack. 
Can I tell you, there's, there's, a, there's a form of spiritual attack. Jensen Franklin wrote about it in the book, The Spirit of Python. But there's a, there's a form of spiritual attack, which is like a boa constrictor wrapping around you that would try to take out every area of your life at the same time. And you say, well, Pastor Steve, what do you mean by that? I mean, when you're dealing with something and then something else major gets heaped right on top of it, right? Maybe you've had a loss in the family and then you get home and your refrigerator went out. And then after your refrigerator went out, you get in the car and the car won't start, right? And then you finally get the car started and you get to work and you find out they're laying you off. Right? Or maybe you finally got back to work and you're just starting to get some pay again and then you find out you got COVID and you got to sit out for another two weeks. Right? This stuff uh, begins to pile up and it's like it could be this spiritual attack that piles up in the physical in your life. And when it piles up in the physical, it can leave you spinning and you just don't even know uh, what's coming and what's going. You don't even know. Has anybody else been there? All right, I've been there a few times in my life. Sometimes that happens, amen? So there are stages that Israel went through in Joel, and I believe it's similar to the stages that we're talking about through today. If we aren't already in the end times, church, can I tell you that it's coming soon? If we're not already there, we're close. Because there, there's some things happening that are, that are totally uh, just congruent with what the Bible says about the end times, right? There's things that are happening, and it's close. In Joel chapter 2, if you flipped over to the next, uh, the next chapter, he starts in verse 12, and he reads like this. Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. And then this, this next line, if you would, if you highlight in your Bible or write in your Bible, would you underline this or highlight this? And if you're on a digital phone, would you just tap it and hit highlight and share it on version? whatever you got to do? Uh, but, but just uh, make sure that this verse sticks out in your mind. In verse 13, he says, so rend your heart and not your garments. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. That sounds like the messages we've heard spoken over the church the last few weeks. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. And in the midst of your situation, don't rend your garments, but rend your heart. What, is that, what does that even mean? Well, back then, if, 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 if the Jews were going through grief, you know, they would rip their clothes. Or if they were repenting for a, an egregious sin, they would rip their clothes. It's, uh, if you remember uh, King David, when he was called out by the prophet uh, for his sin, and he recognized and finally realized that the story was about him, he ripped his clothes. Right? It was something, that, and God is telling them, man, stop ripping your clothes and rend your heart. Stop doing things that are beneficial for other people to see and do something that's beneficial for your relationship between him and you. Right? Quit rending your garments and start rending your heart. Get before him in times of prayer and in, in moments of conviction and in moments when you need to turn everything over to him and say, here it is, God. Here's my heart. Have your way in it. Search it. If there be any way in me, Lord, that is wicked, remove it far from me. And we get before God and we recognize that we need to rend our heart. Sometimes it's just about you and him in the privacy of your prayer closet. Sometimes you just need to get into your prayer closet and just get on your knees and begin to be real with God. Because guess what? He already knows what you're thinking. He already knows what you're dealing with and he already knows what you're walking through. And he already knows every thought and every word that was formed on your tongue before you said it. Right? So why are you trying to hide stuff from them? Get in your prayer closet and get on your knees and begin to be real with them. God, I feel like you've left me alone in this season. God, I feel like you've taken your hand of protection off me and like you don't even care about me in this season. Be real with him and rend your heart because he will come in and he will show you that he has been by your side the whole time. And he'll begin to speak into your life and give you what you need to not only get through the season that you're walking through now, but to get through the next season and the next season and the next season and the next season. It's those times of rending our heart that prepares us for what we need to go through. It's those times of rending our heart that prepares us for the battles that we're facing. It's those times of rending our heart. So, so, so rend your heart, not your garments. There's, there's three stages that Israel went through. The first stage is deep loss. 
Some of you are in the middle of this stage. Some of you are right at this stage. A stage of deep loss is the first stage. It comes mourning and sorrow. But with that mourning and sorrow also comes self and life reflection. Within the middle of your loss, you begin to think about my life and what could I do differently and what could I line up with God more than I've ever lined up with him before. What in my life needs to go? What in my life needs to stay? Right? Jess and I have been in a, in a season of cleaning out our house, and I've made so many runs to the dump of just junk that we've hang on to for like 10 years. You know? and I'm like, what in the world do we even keep this for? I think most of it was Collins, but I'm just going to blame him. But we, we, I made so many runs to the dump and so many runs to the path a thrift store and just dropping off stuff. All this stuff that is just collected in our life. Well, when you're going through a season of loss, there's no greater time than to be introspective and decide what in my life needs to go now and what in my life needs to stay. Amen. So the first stage is loss. The second stage, once you've, once you've gone through the loss or you're dealing with the loss, the second stage is repentance. It's coming before God, and whether, whether it's great sins or small sins, whether it's sins of commission, sins you committed, or sins of omission, sinning against God by not doing something that he's asked you to do, right? No matter what it is, it's coming before him and rending your heart in a moment of repentance before him and saying, I'm in the middle of this loss, God, but I'm giving it everything to you. You search me, Lord, and you tell me what to get rid of, and I'm going to chuck it. And you got to be obedient in that moment. You can't be like the, the lady on hoarders that follows the trash people out to the curb and starts picking through the trash to take it back in the house. Right? When God removes the stuff out of your life and takes it to the curb, you've got to leave it at the curb. You've got to let it go. Amen? So the second one is repentance. Now, here's a statement that is so true. The land is never restored without repentance. The land all throughout scripture, the land is never restored without repentance. And revival never comes without repentance. And you say, well, Pastor Steve, I can't think of anything I need to repent. You better think harder. Each and, each and every one of us in this room has some stuff we need to repent of. And I'm just talking about your drive to church this morning. Especially y'all with small kids getting them ready this morning. Tell me you didn't get no attitude. <laughs> right? So every one of us has some repentance. So we, in order for us to walk into a restored land or in order for us to walk into revival, uh, starting right here in our church and spreading out uh, through this county and through our region, in order for that to happen, we have to have hearts that are rendered to God. We have to recognize that in season of loss, and 2020 was a season of loss for everybody. Everybody lost something. So starting with a season of loss and coming into a season of repentance in the beginning stages of this year. Spending some time in your prayer closet and rending your heart before God and having God clean out the junk. Get the junk out of me, Lord. Amen? So then, because of the kindness of God, after you've gone through great loss and after you've come through repentance, because of the kindness of God comes a refreshing. That's a third stage that Israel went through. And I believe it's the same stage that we as a church can walk through today. That because of great loss, it brings you to a rending of your heart in a time of repentance and confession before God. And then after repentance and confession before God comes a great refreshing that he pours over you. Is anybody remember the old Nest Tea commercials? Remember when the, the, the person just falls back into this like swimming pool? And you got the Nest T logo there, and it just looks like, man, that looks amazing. And they're, they're playing it when it's 127 degrees outside in Inverness, right? It just looks amazing, right? Well, that's what it's like when the Lord refreshes your spirit. That in that moment, after a time of repentance and, and purging and getting the things out of me that need to come out of me, and then the Lord pours a refreshing on you, it's like falling into a refreshing pool of water in the midst of a hot summer. Right? God will pour it over you. In Joel chapter 2, verses 25 through 26, he, uh, the Lord says this through the prophet, So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. The crawling locust. He didn't leave it at the swarming locust. Do you remember when we read about the, the different types of locusts? He didn't leave it there. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust has eaten, the consuming locust, the chewing locust. 
My great army which I sent among you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. Who do we need to uh, gather up under? The Lord our God. Who do we need to run to in times of turmoil? The Lord our God. Who do we need to go to in times of loss? The Lord our God. Not the systems of the world. Not the systems of religion. But the systems that God has put in place for relationship between you and him. Amen. It's running to God. Now listen, God promises to restore lost years. That's in essence, he's promising to restore time. He's promising to restore lost time. In the natural, restoring time is an impossibility, right? Unless you have a mad scientist and a silver DeLorean, right? For your Back to the Future fans. Other than that, great Scott, right? Other than that. Restoring time in the natural is an impossibility, right? But how many of you know that God doesn't operate under natural law? God doesn't operate under the natural laws. God operates under his law. The creator doesn't have to operate under laws that he created. He exists outside of space and time. He created space and time for you and I to exist in. And you and I have to operate within the laws of space and time. But God doesn't have to operate in those laws because he exists outside of it. So he can actually step into your past and step into your future in the same moment because he's God. And I know that blows your mind and it's okay. It gives you something to think about for the next few weeks, right? But God doesn't operate in those areas. Restoring time for God, uh, time for God focuses on some key areas of our lives. And I want to give you just a few key areas before I close today. The first one is this. Lost years equals fruitless years. Years of disappointment. Bad financial investments, financial ruin, bankruptcy, uh, years where you didn't build your relationships like you should have in your life, fruitless years, years when you uh, didn't, didn't bear any fruit. Lost years can be painful years, long-term or chronic illnesses in the body or the mind. Uh, maybe an illness changed your lifestyle because of new limitations on your life. And they're painful years, and because they were painful years, rather than trying to push through, you might have given up, and it became lost years. Lost years equal selfish years in our life. Selfish years are holding Jesus at arm's length, never inviting him into your life fully, or refusing his invite to dive deep into the refreshing waters and be in relationship with him. These are years that have just been selfish years. God, I know you exist And God, I love you in my own way, but I'm just not going to serve you for this season. They're selfish years. And then it might be, uh, lost years might be loveless years because of family devotion or broken relationship or years of spending time alone. Maybe you're widowed or or a widower and it's, it's, it's these times of spending time alone that you feel unloved or you feel alone. And because of that, it's been lost years in your life. Lost years could be rebellious years. They could be years of of walking away from God and his protection. And can I tell you, rebellious lost years have a steep cost. Because if you walk away in rebellion, the decisions that you make because you are in rebellion are usually sinful. And sin always comes at a steep cost in your life. Right? So they're, they're rebellious years. Then you have lost years, which are misdirected years. These could be wasted time in a career or a school path that you thought was going to lead somewhere, and it didn't lead there. And after so many years of being on this path, uh, you feel like you just lost a portion of your life. Lost years could be misdirected years. Lost years could be Christless years. Years that even if you didn't know about Jesus and what he did for you, they were years that you refused to turn your life over to him. They're years that you didn't give it to him. Right? So how does God restore lost years in all of these ways? God restores everything through deeper relationship with him. When you come into deeper relationship with him, everything that you lost begins to become restored. And even if you feel like, man, I've been in great relationship with God all my life, but all of a sudden I find myself in a season of loss, in a season of anger, and I feel, I feel something rising up in me wanting to rebel against God and rebel against what I know to be truth. 
or I find myself beginning to place my faith in other areas and other constructs other than the, the biblical portions of what God says we should be living like and doing and placing our faith. Right? No matter what that looks like, these are, these are years, but if you, if you dive into deeper relationship with Him, He begins to restore all the areas that you lost. Now listen, it doesn't matter how long you've been with God, you can always go deeper. It doesn't matter how close you think you are with God right now, you can always go deeper. Right? You don't know everything there is to know about God, and neither do I. There is so much more for you to learn. It's a, it's a, as a matter of fact, the word says you will never be perfected until you get to heaven. Right? There, there's so much that, that, that questions that we have, things that we'd like to answer, things that we want to know that we'll never know this side of heaven. Right? But on the other side of heaven, we'll come into a, a perfect knowledge of him and who he is. So God restores in Joel 2.27. He said, then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. Can I promise you today that everything you endure, whether it's for your lifetime or whether it's for a season, gives you the opportunity to dive into deeper relationship with him. Every single hard moment that you endure, every single difficult season that you walk through, gives you opportunity not to push into other directions, but opportunity to push into more relationship with your heavenly father. And every time it gives you opportunity to go deeper with him. Amen. So when God starts restoring what the locusts have stolen, can I tell you today, church, don't forget to celebrate. Don't forget to celebrate. When you see the first move of God in your life after you've gone through deep lice, deep loss, not lice. Hopefully you didn't get lice. But you, you've gone through a deep loss. And you've gone through a time of restoration. And you've, 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 you hit the refreshing moment and he's refreshed your spirit, refreshed who you are. But in that time frame, he'll start doing things for you in your life that can only be restored and done by him. And when he does that, church, can I tell you, you need to celebrate it every single time. If you've gone through financial ruin and you just paid off a bill after struggling for a long time, can I tell you, throw a party, bake a cake, celebrate it. You paid off a credit card that's been heavy on your back for the last 10 years, and you finally paid it off. Celebrate it. Bake a cake. Throw a party. Invite your neighbors and friends and say, "Woo! this is a morning of Visa. Amen. We're going we're to celebrate the dying of Visa. Amen. But, but whatever it is in your life, you're finally able to get your hair done after you were stuck in quarantine for 27 years. And you saw those other women on TV looking fine, and you're walking around with a, with a hot mess. And you're finally able to go get your hair done. Celebrate it. Amen. Celebrate it. I finally got a new car, Pastor Steve. Celebrate it. Celebrate it. I'm learning a new walk with God like never before, Pastor Steve. Celebrate it. I've turned a corner in my life, and I, and I know more about God now than I knew yesterday. Celebrate it. Amen? I'm seeing new ministry opportunities open up to me, Pastor Steve, and I didn't know I was capable and didn't even know God had called me to that. Celebrate it. Celebrate what God is doing in your life. Here, here's two ways that God restores our years, and I know I'm over time. God restores your lost years by multiplying your fruitfulness. What does that mean? God increased Israel's harvest so much that it made up for far and above what they lost to the locusts. He increased their, their, their harvest so much that it made up far and above everything they had lost to the locusts over years. Matter of fact, Jesus uh, talks about a parable in the New Testament about an increase of 30, 60, and 100 fold. Can I tell you that three years at 100 fold is the same as 30 years at 30 fold? If you lost three years and that God uh, restores to you a hundredfold over the next three years, it's greater than if you had a 30-fold return over 30 years. Celebrate when God begins to restore to you what you lost. Celebrate it when God begins to move in your life. Here's the second way. God can bring long-term gain from short-term loss. You may have had a loss, but God can bring long-term gain out of that loss. Jessica and I were in, in years of, of lost years. I would say we were, we were in years of rebellion. 
we knew about God. In our, in our early 20s, we, we had been raised in church. But we had walked away from church, walked away from God, and spent 12 years of our life in rebellion. Knowing that as a kid, and being prophesied over that I was supposed to preach. And knowing it and, and feeling the confirmation of it in my heart, walked away from God for 12 years of my life. But in that moment, when I gave my life over to God and I hit my knees in repentance and I began to mourn for the lost years that I didn't serve him. And I began to mourn for the lost years of ministry that we could have had if we had just gone in and done what God had asked us to do in the beginning and not been rebellious. We were mourning that. We were carrying it like a heavy load on our shoulders. Now listen, we didn't have to carry that, but we were carrying it. We were so sorry that we had done what we'd done for 12 years and not given God the fullness of those 12 years, but we instead we had lived for ourselves. And I, had a, I have a pastor friend of mine who's preached here for me. He's up in Iowa currently, but his name is Pastor Craig Avery. And he comes up and he begins to speak over Jessica and I, not knowing anything about how we were feeling about the lost years of our life. He comes up and he begins to speak over us. And he says, Steve, he says, I see the Lord uh, doing a great and fast move in your life. And he's going to make up for the lost time. Were the words that he said. He said he's going to make up for the lost time. And he's going to increase you quickly in wisdom. And he's going to increase you quickly in relationship with people. And he's going to increase you quickly in ministry. And would you know that it was, it was not too long after that that Jessica and I walked right into marriage ministry in a national Assembly of God organization. And we were attending a, a Church of God church at the time, and we were the only person in the entire organization that God brought in that we were of another denomination in an Assembly of God marriage organization that was nationwide, had never had any, any ministry experience except when we were kids. And then in a moment, God opened these huge doors for us to begin to travel and do marriage ministry as a couple. And God increased us in wisdom and increased us in abilities and increased us in such a way that it made up for the lost time that we had. God did that for us and he can do the same for you. No matter which one of those lost years in your life applies to your life, God will restore to you what the locusts have eaten. If you come to and you bring your loss to him, and you come to a place of repentance and you ask him for that deep refreshing in your spirit and your soul. And then after he refreshes you, you begin to walk in obedience to him. And you, and you leave sin out of your life and you begin to walk in obedience to him. See what he won't do in your life. See what he won't do, man. It, God is so good, church. Amen? Amen. I think about Peter and I'm going to close with this. Come help me, Pastor Brad, wherever you are. Thank you. Come straight on up the steps, man. I think about Peter. Peter at the at the night of Christ, at the night of, of, of Jesus' arrest, when he was beaten and going to be uh, crucified, Peter denied Christ three times. The one that he loved, the one that he served, the one that he followed, it was, his, it was his friend. And he denied Christ three times that night. And then after Jesus rose from the dead and came and met him on the seashore and began to talk to Peter, he gave Peter three opportunities to repent. So he denied him three times and then Jesus asked him, Peter, do you love me? Three times he gave Peter the opportunity to repent from what he had said before and to claim his, his love for Jesus. He asked him three times. Well, after, after Peter had the loss that night and then he had a moment of repentance uh, with Jesus, uh, then about 50 days after the Lord ascended to heaven, it was the day of Pentecost. And this great refreshing went through the room where Peter and all of the others uh, were, seated, were seated. And this great refreshing of the Holy Spirit went through the room and they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. And they were so excited. How many of you know Pentecostals get excited? They were so excited that that upper room couldn't contain them anymore and they spilled out of the building and into the streets. 
And when they spilled out into the streets, Peter, the man who had denied Christ three times but had the opportunity to repent to him three times, stood up on a hill and began to preach. And when he preached, 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom that day. 3,000 people uh, uh, were added to the kingdom that way that day. I, I was just doing some thinking, and this is just me, but I thought about that uh, a 30 or 30 60 and 100 fold thing and I thought you know Peter denied Christ three times he had three moments of failure and then Christ gave him three opportunities uh, to to ask for repentance and to receive forgiveness and to be refreshed and they sent the Holy Spirit and refreshed everybody in the room and then Peter preaches his first sermon and had the first mega church preached his first sermon and 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ that's a hundredfold return on what the enemy had stolen from Peter that night. Uh, I'm sorry, a thousandfold return. Some of y'all mathematics were like, Pastor? No, it's, it's a thousandfold return. He had a thousandfold return that day and saw uh, 3,000 people saved when he got up and preached the good news. Amen. Would you stand with me today? I just want to pray over you. But before I do, I want to ask this. Is there anybody in the room today that as we've been speaking, praising, worshiping, uh, you know that you need to make things right with the Lord? And if you're in the room today and you felt it in your heart, you recognize, man, no more lost years for me. Today, I need to give my heart to Jesus. Today, I, I, need, to, today I need to recommit to Him and not lose any more time. I don't want the locusts to steal from my life and, and my, 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 my uh, walk with God anymore. And if that's you in this place, I'm just going to simply ask you to do this right where you're at. Just throw a hand up. Just say, Pastor Steve, today, today I need to give my heart back to Jesus. Or today I need to give my heart to Jesus for the first time. If that's you in this place, just throw your hand, throw your hand up. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else? Today's the day. No more lost time. I see that hand. Thank you. Listen, I'm going to ask you three that raised your hand to do something brave. But in committing to Christ and saying, today I recognize that I need to give my life to him. I'm going to ask Pastor Mike Dunn if you would come up and just make yourself available. And with those three that raised their hand, just come up to Pastor Mike. And let him share with you just a little bit about what you're doing. And then let him pray with you. Would you guys do that for me? I promise you he won't bite. Give it up for them, church. Pastor Kenny, come up and help. nothing sweeter church than when, than when a lost sheep returns to the fold there's nothing more special church than when somebody says I recognize I can't do this life by myself but I need you Lord steps before I pray over, over you for dismissal today. Just give me a second to stop crying. Church, we have a loss. We repent as needed. You know what you need to repent of. Nobody else does. It's between you and the Lord. But you recognize your loss. You repent as needed. The Lord restores you. The Lord refreshes you. 
And then the Lord gives you increase in the areas that the locust has eaten in your life. Amen? Church, rend your heart, not your garments. Rend your heart to the Lord. I'm going to pray a prayer of dismissal. And those who need to go, I, I went over 24 minutes. Please, please forgive me. Those who need to go, you can go. And it, But I feel like maybe there's some in here that you need to come up to the altar. And if you need to come up to the altar and receive prayer, the altars are always open. If you want somebody to pray with you with a mask, we have masks too. But you get, you're more than welcome to come up for prayer. Church, before I pray, would you just celebrate for a minute? Those of you who received salvation today or anybody else in the room who does not have a Bible, there's a table in the back on the way out. There's a few out there. If, they, if we run out, we got more. But if you need a Bible, please pick one up on your way out. Okay? Please, please get one if you need one. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for what you've done in this place today. We give you all praise and all glory, Lord. Father, you are so, so good to us. None of us in this room deserve how good you are to us, Lord. But you are a good, good Father. Lord, I thank you for moving on my life. I thank you for moving on each and every other person in this room's life, Father. I thank you for those who have rededicated or given their life to you today, Father. Lord, I pray an anointing over them, Father, that as they leave here, that the enemy would not be able to reclaim them. But, Father, they would dive deeper with you each and every day. Father, I pray over everyone in this room that's going through a loss, going through a situation. I pray, Father, that you would give them a glimpse of the refreshing that's coming. That although they're going through a loss and although they're going through a hard time, Father, you have prepared for them a time of refreshing. And, Lord, we receive it. Father, we thank you for it. Lord, keep your hand on each and every one of us as we leave and bring us back in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, God bless you. Give the Lord another hand clap of praise.